redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That was a term I often heard growing up in the church. But what does the word redeem and redemption really mean? Welcome to episode three of Pardon My Jargon, Correcting Our Religious Lingo. As you know, in this series, I am defending the contention that there is no religious lingo in the original languages of the scriptures. At least I haven't been able to find any yet. And so when we come to words like redeem and redemption, which we tend to consider to be religious words, the question is, what is the word that we find in the Hebrew and in the Greek? What did it mean to the people of the day, the people who, who read the scriptures uh, in their original languages? Growing up in the 50s and, and 60s, my mother would collect S&H green stamps. Some of you old folks like me will probably remember those. Uh, what they did is when you went to the grocery store, depending on how much money you spent, you would get a certain number of these little stamps and they would tear them off and give them to you. You had these little paper books. You'd start licking those stamps and sticking them into the pages of that book. And then when you got a book that was filled with those stamps, you would set it aside, fill a second and a third and a fourth. And then you could take these books of stamps to the Redemption Center and they would have different products there that you could redeem with your S&H green stamps. Some products only required one book. Others might require five books of stamps. Uh, they phased that program out. I think we all got sick of looking the backs of those stamps. But um, I learned at an early age that redeem and redemption meant something different than what I heard in, in church and began to realize that this word has another meaning. But the question is, what does it mean in the scriptures? I want us to begin with a verse in Job, a very well-known verse. And uh, George Frederick Handel used this in his oratorio, The Messiah. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Job is believed to be the oldest book in the Bible, that the, the words of Job were actually written down before Moses wrote down the book of Genesis. The events of Genesis precede Job, but Genesis is written later. So here in what is believed to be the oldest book of the Bible is this hope expressed by Job and seeing his Redeemer. But what does the word Redeemer mean? In Hebrew, it comes from the verb ga'al, ga'al. And we can also pronounce this word go'el, and that's the participle. And this is the word that is normally translated redeem or redeemer. But it's also re translated as kinsman in some places and avenger in others. What's behind this word? Why does it have so many meanings? And in case you forgot your middle school grammar, a participle is a verb form that can act as an adjective or a noun. We use them all the time. For example, you might say, uh, if someone asks what you're going to do today, you say, I'm going to go shopping. So shopping is the verb. And I'm gonna do some shopping. But there, when you say do some shopping, or I enjoy shopping, shopping acts like a noun. 
So a participle is a verb that can operate also as an adjective. Um, he's a shopping fanatic. That's using shopping as an adjective to tell us what kind of fanatic this person is. And it can be used as a noun. Shopping is something I love to do. Shopping is something I don't like to do. So um, ga'al and go'el are verb and participle forms of this three-letter root. Now, if we go back earlier in Job, we see the word ga'al used in a different way. Job has just lost his family. He's lost his health. And so in chapter 3 of Job, he's sitting on a, the trash heap just moaning about how horrible life is. And he refers to the day of his birth. And this is what he says about it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. That is the verb ga'al. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. This is the true meaning of the word ga'al, to claim, to see something and to claim it and to take it. When my mother took those SNH green stamps to the Redemption Center, she would take the books and then claim the product that she wanted to uh, take home with her. So when we see the word redeem in scripture, it's the word to claim. Now, this word is also used in some other ways and translated a, a host of different ways in our English translations. If you read Leviticus chapter 25, Leviticus is all about the, the, um, the function of a goel, one who is a claimer, a redeemer. And we find there that if someone... Uh, falls into bad circumstances and they need some money, they may sell part of their ancestral property. And this is never looked upon as being a favorable thing in Scripture. For some reason, God wants ancestral property to stay in the family that has inherited it. But if a person has to sell some property because they need money, and if they have a kinsman who has wealth, this kinsman is instructed to go and buy the property back to redeem the property, to claim the property, to pay the money, to claim it back for the, the person who had to sell it. Even worse, if a person fell into so much debt that he had to sell himself as a slave so as to pay off his debt, the goel, the kinsman redeemer, the claimer, would pay the price to claim him back. This helps us understand what Job is talking about when he says, I know my claimer, my redeemer, the one who's going to purchase me back out of all this pain, all this suffering, all this confusion, he's going to claim me back. And that's what redeem really means. It means to claim back. A third function of a goel, a claimer, is um, found in, in uh, the book of Ruth. And uh, actually, let me back that up. There's a third function of the goel, which is to be an avenger. And if someone uh, is murdered, then the closest kinsman 
would look for that person to take vengeance upon them and take their life. And in the Torah, that was something that was legally done. And you'll find the description of that over in Numbers chapter 35. And in that chapter, you will find that if a close relative was murdered and you're, you know, you're, you're angry and you're mad, you want to take vengeance, the Torah permits you to chase the person down, find them and take their life. However, if that person made it to one of the cities of refuge, one of the Levitical cities, before you got to him, then you couldn't touch him. And he would go into the city, and there he would be protected until there could be a trial. And, uh, but if he's found guilty, then of course, all bets are off, then he would lose his life. And that's described, as I said, over in Numbers chapter 35. But in the book of Ruth, we see this term redeem or redeemer, goel and goal, used five times in chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. You know the story. It's almost Shavuot. In fact, this coming Sunday is Shavuot. And traditionally, all over the world in synagogues, we read the book of Ruth. So um, I encourage you to read this short and beautiful uh, story of Ruth and her kinsman redeemer, Boaz. Well, as you know, Ruth's mother-in-law tells her, we have a kinsman, we have a goel, his name is Boaz, so go and approach him and ask him to redeem you. So she does. And when Boaz recognizes Ruth the Moabitess, this is what he tells her. And he says, and now it is true that I am a goel. Yet there is a Goel nearer than I, one who is more closely related to your dead husband. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will Goal you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to Goal, to redeem you, to claim you, then as Adonai lives, I will Goal you. I will redeem you. I will claim you as my own wife. So we see this term frequently in Scripture. And though it has many shadings, must understand what it means is to claim something, to claim it as your own. Now, interestingly, there's another Hebrew word that is a homophone. It sounds exactly like the verb ga'al. And here you see it in red. And you'll notice the difference. The word ga'al to means redeem or claim is spelled with an aleph in the middle. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the letter that represents God in so many ways. But here we see the word ga'al with a letter ayin in the middle. Now, aleph and ayin are the two silent letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And they just take on whatever vowel is assigned to them. But they have no particular sound of their own. Aleph means uh, a master, and it's the first letter of the alphabet, silent letter, and the word El and Elohim and Adonai all begin with Aleph. But Ayin means I. And there are many words, and maybe we'll do a study on this in the Hebrew key series one of these days, where we take words that are identical, except one spelled with an aleph and one spelled with an ayin, and the, the differences are always very stark. The one that has the aleph in the middle always has a higher 
purpose, something that glows about it, to claim something, ga'al. That's a wonderful word, the word to redeem. But when you put a nayan in the middle, it means to reject. And here's an example in Leviticus 26, 11, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not reject you. So ga'al with an aleph means to claim and to draw in and to make my own. But ga'al spelled with an ayin means to reject. In fact, it has the sense of abhorring something, of hating something, rejecting it because it's offensive to you. What a, what a stark difference between two words that are otherwise identical, except for the silent letter in the middle. But there's another word in Hebrew that is also translated redeem, sometimes ransom. And that is the word pidyon. And it comes from the verb pada, which you see at the bottom of the screen. In Exodus 21.30, it's discussing if a, a person has a, uh, an animal, say an ox with horns, and this animal is known to be kind of vicious and, uh, and one that tends to attack. And this owner of this animal gets slack in his uh, watch care of this animal and the animal gets away and kills someone, then according to the Torah, the ox is to be killed and its owner is to be killed. However, if the victim's family and the court decides, they can say, all right, we're not going to take your life, but you must pay a ransom for your life. And that's what this verse is about. It says, if a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the pidyon, the redemption of his life, whatever is imposed on him. So what is the difference between ga'al and pada? Ga'al means to claim. But pada means I pay a price to claim this thing. I can't steal it. I have to pay a price. And the price is the pidyon. But when I've paid the pidyon, then I can ga'al what I have paid for. So there are two words in Hebrew which work together. There's a price to be paid, but then there's a claim to be made. You know, as believers, we are in a position of having been redeemed, pada, the price has been paid. But God has not, not yet come back to claim us. And the day is coming when he will send his Messiah back to earth and he's going to claim his own. And that's when Gaal takes place. And this is what Job is referring to. I know that my Goel lives and in the last day he will stand on the earth. So it's kind of like if you go to the lumber yard and you pay for a, a stack of lumber and they give you a receipt. It's paid for. You've done the pidyon. You've paid for it. But then you say, I'm going to come back with my truck later and pick up the lumber. So later that day or the next day or a couple days later, you come back with a truck. You've already paid for it. It belongs to you, but you've not come back yet to all the lumber, to claim it. But when you show the receipt, it's paid in full, then you can claim what you have paid for. That's the position we find ourselves in today. The price has been paid. 
We're waiting for him to return to claim us. Psalm uh, 49 is a, a fascinating passage. It talks about people who depend upon their wealth. I, I recommend that you uh, start at least back in verse 5 or so. And it's talking about wealthy people depend on their wealth and so on, but how their wealth is futile. It can't, it can't save them. It, it can't truly affect their souls in a, a positive way. And then the psalmist goes on to say, yet no man can by any means, any means ransom. And there he uses the, uh, the verb twice. Yifda pada, yifda pada. It means ransoming, can he ransom? It's an intensification by doubling the verb. By, by any means, no man by any means can pay the price for another or give to God the price of his life for the pidyon, and our English translation usually translate this ransom, for the ransom of their life is too costly and can never suffice. But there's one who could afford the price, and that is our Messiah, who gave his life as a ransom for ours. So again, review. Ga'al means to claim, but pada is to pay the price for what we are claiming. Now you may be wondering, what is the New Testament word, the, the Greek word for redemption? Well, it's very interesting. The Greek word for redemption, to redeem, to claim, to pay the price, is the word lutrao, lutrao. And it combines both of the Hebrew words, to claim and to pay the price, because lutrao means to claim by paying a ransom. So it takes both the Hebrew words, mixes them together, and comes up with one word that means both. So, I encourage you that as you uh, study the Hebrew scriptures, you uh, always look to see which Hebrew word is used when you see redeem or sometimes purchase or ransom, um, avenge, and uh, be alert to the words ga'al and pidyon. But in the Greek scriptures, the apostolic scriptures, you'll find one word that's used. And there's also a, a noun form of this, which is very similar. But it means to claim by paying the price. Combines both together. So I'm going to close with two short passages from 1 Corinthians. The first passage is from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, where Paul says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And then in the next chapter, chapter 7, verse 23, he again says, You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So this is the tension we live in. We may not feel like we have been purchased because the world is still the same. We're still in these bodies and there is difficulty and there is contention in this world. There's struggle. So on the one hand, God tells us, I have paid the price for you. Now, on the other hand, he says, I'm going to come and claim you. In the meantime, live as people who have been paid for, people who belong to me. Be a good steward of the body and the resources and the gifts and talents I've given you. Be a good steward of those because they don't belong to you anymore. You belong to me. 
and I'm going to come back to get you. So be patient. That's the tension we live in here. And we're to be people of faith, people who are believers and disciples of Messiah, and live as people who are citizens of a kingdom above, not the kingdom of this world. So I hope this has been instructive to you, enlightening as we look into this word redemption and understand the foundational principles behind it. So I look forward to speaking to you next time. And pardon my jargon, next time we'll look at the word salvation, a word which everybody thinks they understand. But I guarantee there's much more to learn about this word. So I'll see you next time. Until then, shalom.